but the idea is if you could sort of calm yourself down and say, all right, I'm going to mess up a thousand times and then some, and I'm going to continue to do this because this is the process of how it works. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. I'm Al. I'm here with my co-host, Virginia Elder. Hey there. Today, we're talking about the nervous system. Yeah. I just thought nervous system, like it makes you nervous. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is this a science lesson or what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, it might be a little bit of science, just a refresher course. <laughs> For whatever reason, it just struck me, nervous system, like right. why couldn't they do the calm system? Yeah. Or the content and relaxed system, I don't know. <laughs> Man, it's just like setting you up for failure, nervous system. Yeah, your nervous system. Yeah, how nervous are we? <laughs> so the one thing when I did some reading, just to refresh my memory on the nervous system, the nervous system as a whole turns off your thinking. Mm. So it goes into fight or flight, or they call it feed, breed, rest and digest. But basically, it's turning off your thinking so that you're not cognitively making decisions, you're not thinking about what you're doing, your body just goes on autopilot mm -hmm. and just reacts. Right. And it's a, you know, self defense mechanism. And it controls everything, it controls your breathing, your walking, your thinking, your feeling. Mm -hmm. And so you have this thing in you, that at a moment's notice will turn off your thinking and just make you act, right, which is a scary thing for a lot of people, everybody thinks that they're so thoughtful about everything they do. And I think about my actions before I do them. And we try. <laughs> we try. Yeah. We try real hard. <laughs> all right. So the 101 is you have your brain, you have your spinal cord, you have all your nerves. Brain is the control center. And then the spinal cord is the highway down your body. And it shoots out to all these different nerve endings, which is the rest of your body. So it's controlling everything. Right. Honestly, there's really not much that science really knows about it. They know just the basics. You know, they can tell like how the nervous system reacts, mm -hmm. but they don't know the actual process. They just know the after effects. Yeah. We understand that we get sweaty palms and a pounding heart. Yes. And I mean, those are my big ones that I notice. Yeah. On the extreme side of it, panic attacks, right? psychosomatic illness. Mm. People think about things and they tense themselves up. It's a lot of muscular tension when it comes to the nervous system and being tight and being mm. this whole idea of doing this topic was I was listening to a lecture by a guy named Alan Watts. Okay. And it really struck a chord. He was basically saying that all of our problems as human beings, all of our problems, all of our stresses, all of our anxieties are the results of not being able to manage your nervous system reactions. Ah. I was like, that makes 100% sense to me. Well, yeah, because you would need 
your brain to be functional, like you just said, yeah, to manage the nervous system. But the nervous system, by default, when you have a reaction, shuts down your brain function, yeah, and puts you into autopilot, like you were saying. So that totally makes sense. And when you think about people that are successful in any walk of life, that can handle a lot of pressure, that are like very calm, cool, and collected. Mm-hmm. It's not the people that are all amped up all the time that we consider successful. You can't function at that level. Right. The whole idea of jacking up your nervous system is that you need it in very, very short bursts. That's all it's designed to do. It's right. designed to protect you from danger. Yeah, it's the fight or flight. And you can't right. remain in fight or flight mode for a long period of time. It's exhausting. It's like redlining your engine. Right. Keeping the pedal to the metal for hours on ends. Yeah. And I, I was kind of thinking the difference between like a lion and human beings where a lion spends what? 2% of his life in fight or flight, right? He's chasing, he's hunting, something's maybe coming after him. Uh, or her. (laughs) And 98% is that parasympathetic where it's feeding, breeding, resting and digesting. Right. You know, it's just all about food, sex, and then rest and relaxing, playing, sleeping. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's literally when I picture a lion, I see them basking in the sun, mm -hmm. picture the prairie and them just laying out. The rolling over and slapping around their cubs. Like like, the adorable, like playful side of the lion is what I picture. But then, you know, there's like the hunting side. But even that, that's part of the feed side. That's not the fight or flight. Right. Mm. So it's very short bursts. And I feel like what's happening with human beings over time especially since we're getting into like these artificial type environments, like we're in now, we're behind computers, we're behind screens, Mm -hmm. we're not outside, we're not foraging, we're not out in nature all the time. You wind up creating this fight or flight experience and you start idling higher with your anxiety. Right. I know for me, I spend a lot of my day realizing that I'm getting worked up about something and like, just, all right, go for a walk. All right. Take a deep breath. All right. Mm -hmm. Take a shower, go work out, like anything to kind of put on some music. Yeah. Stretch out. Like my whole day is about tightening and then I'm trying to release it. Right. Without doing anything, things are just automatically tightening for me. But I think that's like what you said. It's because we're constantly dealing with notifications and email and Mm -hmm coordinating and yeah, it's all this fabricated world that we live in where our stressors come from technology and messages and the stock market and like whatever else is, it's not a natural stress. Like if you were hunting and foraging for your food, that would be like a natural stress that you could physically be walking around looking for food and feel relief when you found a bush of raspberries <laughs> or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. But where do we get that relief when we're online and when we're behind walls and in a hard fabricated environment? Like where do you get the stress relief? So that's where it's even more important that we go work out and stretch and have a little fun sometimes, you know, listen to some music or whatever. Yeah. It's like this world is designed now to get everybody just continually amped up. Mm. And there's no getting out of that paradigm. It's just you're just in this world where things are buzzing and you got schedules and alarms and 
you know, a laundry list of things in your mind that you think you need to do that are self-created. Right. For a lot of us, that slowed down significantly back in March. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us noticed our stress levels going down and maybe a little relaxing of our nervous system, just a little bit. But then some people experience it the other way. Because things shut down, they felt more stressed and more scared. And yeah. their nervous system, I guess, kind of overreacted that way. Right. But for me, all the kids' sports stopped. We were suddenly both home. Yeah. And so it wasn't that stress wasn't there. It's just that it changed. And it became that we were trapped inside. And we did feel like oh my God, we got to go find a park or a forest or a trail we can walk. And we were seeking that Mm -hmm. natural environment to get out in just as an escape. Yeah. The best word I can use to describe it, I just felt disoriented with Mm. all of it. It was just kind of disorienting where then I oscillated between like the positives and the negatives of it. Like, so I got out a lot more, which was good. I was out two, three times a day, either going for walks or working and everything was outside because you couldn't really go inside. Right. So that was a good part of it. Right. But then there were times where it felt this disorientation where I'd be home and I'd, you know, think I could go do something. Oh, oh, I can't do that. Oh, my friends can't hang out. Oh, now what? Like my band can't play. All the things I used to do Mm -hmm. to get some sort of release creatively, those were gone. And then I've I've heard people on both sides of the coin, like some people it it was very devastating for. And some people were like, this was like one of the greatest things ever. It was finally gave me time to slow down because they were in a world that was so crazy. And that's how we were. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We had sports schedules stopped and work meetings got canceled and events got canceled. And suddenly I wasn't traveling somewhere and it really helped us slow down. But then I'm starting to feel it come back again. We're getting those fall schedules coming back in. (laughs) So I'm like looking at the calendar going, oh God, here we go. (laughs) Here we go. Get ready. Buckle up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So there was one train of thought I was thinking of about how to manage your nervous system. Mm. We all think we can think ourselves to calm, right? Yes. You know, we think our way out of whatever it is, anxiety, depression, what, like you think you could just somehow intellectually just think yourself out of it. Right. And what the science says is that it's no, it's, it's a bottom up approach, meaning you start with your body and then it'll work its way up to your head. You can't do it the opposite. You can't work your way down. Okay. So it's almost like an action as opposed to a thought process. Mm. Like the actions will produce the thoughts. The thoughts usually won't produce the actions. So when you talk about bottom up, I always think of, again, working out, eating right, sleeping, Mm -hmm. getting like your mechanism functioning and working rather than trying to think yourself through this whole idea of calming yourself down. Mm. So that makes sense. And I really identify with that because there have been so many moments where I can feel the nerves coming on. Think of like a networking event with some local friends. And some topic is in the air and I feel like I want to contribute and I want to say something. But just as I think that I'm going to raise my hand, it's like this whoosh of nervousness. And I don't know if I actually turn red or not, but I'm suddenly sweating. My palms are sweating. My heart is pounding. And in that moment right there, I'm sitting there thinking, why am I nervous? 
I know these people. I know these people's kids. Yeah. Like, why do I feel this reaction? And I'll sit there and try to mentally, cognitively think myself out of it and think of, am I really afraid of being judged? Am I really afraid that I'm going to look stupid? Or am I really think that they're going to laugh or say something rude based on my comment? No. All the answers are no. It makes no sense. Yeah. But I can't get that feeling to go away. Like I can't shake it. Yeah. It's that wave of self-consciousness just happens. Like, a, yeah. And I just can't ditch it. <laughs> yeah. Talking to my therapist this morning on a Zoom call, he was just talking about the words of letting something go. Like you want to get rid of something. That's what I keep telling him. Mm. Like, I just want to get rid of that. I want to get rid of that. I don't, I don't want to feel that. Yeah, I want it to go away. You want things to be different than the way they are. Yeah. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. It's like you got to let things be. Damn it. I know. Me too. Exactly. Damn it. Well, it's the same reason why we want to control things outside of us, right? Mm -hmm. And when you can't, you're like, why not? I want that to change. Well, you can't. And guess what? In the future, you're going to be worried and you're going to be anxious. Those aren't ever going to go away. You might be able to handle them differently. Or right. he talks about like, let it go as opposed to let it be. Right. Like, let it be is the way you actually address these types of issues. It's there. You're aware of it. And then you still act the way you want to act. Right. Like you could still do a speech with sweaty palms. You could still ask a question with a racing heartbeat. Exactly. And it's not going to kill you if your voice cracks and... Somebody, I don't know, rolls their eyes. I mean, it's crazy what we think. I think the same way. Yeah, it'd be like, whatever. Like, I'm up here, you're not, roll your eyes. I don't care. You know, if I'm the one on stage. And that's the thing is like, I'll go through that thought process, you know, maybe being a keynote speaker somewhere and how yeah. even just thinking about that, like I start to get nervous about it. But then you think like, okay, look, you're the only one who had the guts enough to sign up to say, you would do this to write the speech, to practice it, to actually walk out on stage. Who the hell cares what anybody in the audience thinks? You're up there. They aren't. Yeah. And I can go through. It's like makes so much sense logically to me. But have I done it? No. <laughs> A good one that I have from public speaking class was that I remember the instructor telling us, uh -huh. you just have to realize that the audience wants you to succeed. Yeah, 99.9% .9 of the audience wants you to succeed. They're not looking for you to fail. Right. But I think we feel when you're about to make that, like somebody's like, oh, I hope they freaking go down in flames on this one. Or I don't know. like, Or that they're looking for your faults. Yeah, they're picking, right? They're like, oh, with their voice cracked. Oh, they said something weird. Oh, they. Yeah. And I've never sat in a room and watched a speaker or even watched like a TED talk or something like that online or anything yeah. where I was literally picking them apart. No. Like I'm interested in what they have to say. Yeah. I mean, I want them to go off stage and for me to be like, damn, that was good. <laughs> yeah. You want to be so good that now, again, it's that perfect kind of thing, right? You don't want to, right. you have it in your mind of how it could be perfect. And then anything under that is going to be disappointing in some way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But this mm. all makes so much sense because, okay, so I'll give you an example. And a lot of my examples have to do with my kids because I see so much in them. And for some reason, as a mom, I'm able to coach them through mm -hmm. it. But yet I have a hard time doing it for myself. <laughs> So my son got a skateboard for his birthday. And of course, we've got him the pads and the helmet and the whole thing. It's like his first day. Well, he's goofing around in the living room and he keeps falling. 
he's getting teary-eyed and he's an emotional kid and I'm constantly coaching him through his emotions and telling him, you know, it's okay and cry if you need to cry. And yeah. even just going off of this example, I told him, look, dude, you have to get on knowing that you are going to fall. Mm. You are going to fall. It's just a matter of when or how. Right. Let's shatter that perfection imaginary. Exactly. Yeah. And so I pulled out the tablet and was showing him some YouTube videos of some skateboarders. And of course, those dudes fall mm. like bad. Real bad. <laughs> because of course, they're trying to do tricks and stuff like that. And I'm like, see, everybody falls. And it was like a switch flipped. And he was fine. And he was busting himself all over the floor. <laughs> and and he would yeah. look at me and I'd smile and be like, that was a good one. You do it again. And he'd jump back up and he'd do it again. And I mean, not that he hasn't gotten upset again about falling skateboarding, but it's better. And just knowing that you're going to fall, it's okay to expect it. Like for us with speaking, like to say, it's okay to have a pounding heart and sweaty hands. Expect that and walk out there anyways. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that perspective shift. And yeah. it's so funny because when you bring it up, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just told my son this, but yet I'm having the same issue. <laughs> I know. I don't think it's something you overcome. It's kind of like, um, you know, you don't exercise once and have a great workout and they're like, I'm done. Right. Done exercising. <laughs> done. I'm in shape for the rest of my life. For life. <laughs> I had a kale salad with like all the best vegetables. One salad, good. I'm good. Like I'm done. Yeah, it's like this ongoing, you have to keep doing this, right? Right. Maybe it gets easier. Maybe you get better. Yeah. But you still got to do it. So I was watching this YouTube clip. It was something with Steve Martin. Steve Martin plays banjo. He's a comedian, but he plays banjo. Very good banjo player. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about this guitar player who was an amazing guitar player. And they were showing this video of the guitar player practicing a song. Mm. And he'd sit there for two hours playing this thing and just messing it up and like slamming his guitar and be like, damn it. And like, he'd go back to it and they'd be like, good. And, you know, he couldn't get it and on and on and on, like for an hour. He's like, this is the picture of a professional guitar player getting better. Mm -hmm. And it's like, whoa. Like, because yeah. you just think that he's a professional guitar player. Yeah. He picks it up and he's just... Yeah, you think it's the guy on stage. Playing melodic perfect. Yeah, but really. You don't see the frustration and the practice mm -mm. and the hours and hours. You don't see any of that. That's mm -mm. It's so tough for kids. Like what I realize that and it's tough for me. Right. Kids see this stuff where they see the professional skateboarder. That guy yeah. fell 10,000 times. He probably had 10 surgeries like on his knees and, you know, <laughs> right. cracked every bone in his body at some points. Right. But. You don't see that. You just see the, sh the shiny no. finished products. Yeah. You just see the kid that's like zooming along smoothly that can jump and do flips and stuff. So this kind of pivots really well into like the whole nervous system thing. Because I think the idea, right, let's take your son, for instance. So mm -hmm. just that little shift, right? He was getting upset, he's getting emotionally, he's falling in his mind. He probably thought I should just be able to stand up on this thing and ride around. Right. And then you tell them, listen, man, you're going to fall a lot. And that's how you're going to get better at this. Mm -hmm. I think the way also you get better, like the fastest way to get better is calm the nervous system. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is like his nervous system got a hold of him, right? Yeah. He started over emotional, yeah. started crying. Like basically, if somebody wasn't there to guide him, the first instinct is to give up. Like, screw this. I'm never doing this again. Yes. This sucks. I'm not good. Yeah. I can't do this. 
but the idea is if you could sort of calm yourself down and say, all right, I'm going to mess up a thousand times and then some, and I'm going to continue to do this because this is the process of how it works. Right. That's so hard. I mean, if anybody wants frustration, just pick up a musical <laughs> instrument and try to learn it. It's just like endless frustration. Right. No matter what you know, there's a million things you don't. Right. So I started up drum lessons again. Okay. And anytime I go to my drum lesson, I know what it's going to be. I know what I'm getting into. I don't even like it. I honestly don't like going. I like the guy. I like my drum teacher. But I don't like the lesson itself because I know he's going to give me something I don't know how to do. I'm going to sit there and sound like an idiot. And like He plays it. He's like, yeah, I'll just do this. And he's totally relaxed doing it. And then I go to do it. I'm like, you know, I, I can't get it. And it's so frustrating. And then I bring it home. I play it for a week and I get it. Okay. But then it starts all over again. Next and then lesson. I go the next week and he's like, oh, here, try this now. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. When is this going to end? But, but I accomplished the last one. Isn't that good enough? <laughs> Am I not a professional now? <laughs> exactly. Like, it's like a never, like, how do you get comfortable yes. in the process of knowing that you're not ever perfect? Like, you're never getting to this final destination of, right. all right, did everything I can do. I feel like I've done it with exercise. I've done it with diet. Like, I know that I continue to eat well. I continue to work out. Those are just two givens. I don't think of it like I got to get to this point and then I'm done working out or I got to get to this point and I'm done eating well. Right. It's almost like removing the goal, like finish line piece and just knowing that you're going to try and potentially struggle every time yeah. for however long. Well, for you, diet and fitness and stuff like that is a lifestyle piece. Yeah. So maybe drumming is too. Maybe podcasting is too. I mean, just maybe speaking will be too. All of these things just become something that you right. do over and over regardless of how your nervous system reacts or how, of your frustration level. Yeah. I, I always think of this muscular tension kind of thing. Like when somebody tells you to focus mm -hmm. and you like, you look at something and then they tell you focus really hard. Yes. And then you squint your eyes and you're like, <laughs> jet your chin forward. And yeah, you're not seeing it any better. You're seeing it worse. Right. That's interesting, though. Yeah, that carefree, playful attitude will get you so much further in life than that serious, I'm important. I'm that hard kind of like, I got to get somewhere. I got to be perfect. I, yeah. I'm very serious about this. Right. Rather than just being carefree and playful. I think we're so trained, especially as you get into adulting and adults in the adult world, that everything's got to be serious. And, you know, you're going to pay your taxes and you got to make your money and get your retirement accounts and <laughs> make sure your investments are intact. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Who the fuck wants to think about that? It's like, that's not fun. Right. No, I honestly, my son told me the other day, you're not very funny, mom. <laughs> I was like, oh. well, I beg to differ. I think I'm quite hilarious. It just happens <laughs> to be when I'm alone. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's yeah. right. Like, <laughs> I don't know what happened. It, you know, thinking back, it's like I used to have so much fun and be funny and do funny things and be hilarious. And then you think about it, it was like, yeah, it was this carefree world of being, you know, a teen or a 20-something. Silly and stupid. And, and then it's yeah. like, well, yeah, I mean, now I got all this responsibility and yeah. kids. Like you said, you know, taxes and this <laughs> and that. <laughs> yeah. I think as we grow older, we tend to lose some of that 
carefree piece of us that probably balances out our nervous system in a lot of ways because we're able to laugh it off or, you know, go out dancing with your friends and blow off a bunch of steam. And we don't do that as older adults anymore. Yeah. It's that idea of taking things so serious, you know, like sometimes we get so Mm -hmm. just caught up with things that don't mean anything. It's that, I mean, we've talked about this before in the podcast about telling your 20 year old self, like, just don't worry about it. It's like, relax. But then you continue to worry going forward. And then you start to realize like, that's what you're going to do. Now, what are you going to do with it? Now that you're, now that you know what, what's going to happen, uh-huh. what are you going to do with it? Forget right. trying to get rid of it, right? right? Just forget trying to get rid of it because you've been trying to get rid of it for so long. So that plays into, I listened to a couple of Alan Watts um, YouTube videos. One of them that I clicked on was about like the example of your doctor tells you, you got to have a surgery. But he tells you, don't be nervous about it because I want you to be in your best condition for the operating table. And stress and nervousness is bad for your system, right? Mm. So you're nervous about the surgery. Then you're nervous about being nervous because he told you not to be nervous. And then you're nervous because you're nervous about him telling you not to be nervous, but you're nervous anyway because you're nervous about the surgery. And, you know, it's like this massive building loop. loop of shit that you can't get out of your head and and all the while every single one builds on the next and you're like 14 times more nervous than you should be or than he wanted you to be yeah so it was a little bit about that that's that perfect example of trying to think your way out of it right you can't exactly i mean the best thing for that situation would be to like go on a yoga retreat or like i don't know like go do something completely bottom up and get out of that. Yeah. And I've, I've probably mentioned it on the show before, but my mom, before yeah. she passed away, she had dementia for five years. And a couple of things that happened that I thought were remarkable. She got diagnosed with bladder cancer. Okay. The worst kind from what the oncologist told me, the worst kind, the most aggressive kind, three to six months at max. This is two and a half years before she passed away. She got diagnosed with this. So they said the worst Three to six months. Worst kind. Most aggressive. I'm sorry. Like this, uh, this said, Al, I'm sorry. Three to six months. We, you know, you never really know, but three to six months. And then she lived for two and a half years. She didn't even, I didn't even take her back to a doctor after that. They never even checked her. There was no chemo. There was no radiation. They said she was too weak for that. Right. They're like, just make her comfortable. Oh my gosh. But she didn't know she had cancer. Like you could tell her and five seconds later, she's like, I don't even know what you just said. And I remember having a conversation with her one day. I'm like, mom, you know, you realize you have cancer. And she's like, oh, Al, that's bullshit. And then she would like, she'd move on to like something, another topic. Like, so she didn't even like believe she, she had or care. think. She's like, it wasn't even in her conscious awareness, right? Wouldn't that be amazing if every diagnosis that people could just be like, now that's bullshit. I'm living. It did. And my, again, my point being is like, it didn't affect her. Like she wound up dying of, you know, the flu and then pneumonia. I mean, maybe something with the camp, but she had no ill effects for two and a half years after that surgery where she had the biopsy and they diagnosed her with the worst form right. of bladder cancer. Oh my God. And to boot the dementia, she actually quit smoking without quitting. Like she basically just forgot that she smoked. How amazing is that? She smoked. <laughs> She smoked for 60 years of her life, and then one day she just didn't smoke. (laughs) 
Like what? What just happens? Like they're just sitting on the counter, and she just she did, she just forgot. Like she did, I forgot that I smoked. Forgot that she needed them. Didn't have physical withdrawals. It wasn't like this whole chemical dependency thing. She just forgot. You know, it was more of like this kind of cognitive. If you think of yourself as a smoker and that you smoke, then you smoke. She just forgot that part. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. So when you think about all that stuff, I guess more about the cancer part. It was that her nervous system wasn't jacked up like the one in your story mm-hmm. where you're nervous about being nervous. Now, oh my God, I got this disease. Like if my mom was like that, I think she would have died within that three to six month period. Right. Don't get me wrong. I'm no scientist. I'm no doctor. This isn't like a prediction of anything, but it's right. more just circumstantial. I've seen, I saw it in front of me happen mm-hmm. and it just makes sense to me. Like your body's calm. You're not stressing over maybe a disease that you have, but this goes for any situation in your life, public speaking. If you're not stressing about it all leading up to it, mm-hmm. you perform better. It just is what it is, you know? I want to bring in the finances. Perfect. Actually, I wanted to do that too. Oh, good. Okay. I'm thinking about what if it's your first time, you know, investing in something? What if it's your first time mm-hmm. ever picking up a mutual fund? Okay. You're going to be a little bit nervous, right? You're probably going to overanalyze. You're going to want to know all the details of all the information and how much has it gone up in the past 10 years and, you know, because you really want to look long-term and you really just want to make sure that you're picking the right thing and yeah, you're going to just dive overboard about this one because you've never done it before and you're about to drop whatever the minimum investment is on it. So maybe it's like 2500 or something and that's big for you because you've never done this before. Right. And losing money hurts. Yeah. Right. So you're going through this entire nervous system response, trying to be really logical about it. But here's the thing. You do that every month, every year, every, you know, over time, over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And you end up where you're just clicking around, picking them, and you're like, all right, whatever. And that response may not fully go away because you're still aware of like, Okay, I'm signing up to put my money into something that I have no idea if it's going to work or not. Right. But you're like okay with it because you've practiced and you've done it so many times. So that's the same thing as getting on that stage and or, you know, raising your hand in a networking meeting or whatever it is. Yeah. And it just becomes easier in time. It's like exposure therapy. Like the more you're exposed to something, yeah. the less fear you have of it. Exactly. So I've seen that with people who have never invested or who have never budgeted or who've mm-hmm. never treated their personal finances the way that maybe they should. And they're trying to get their feet under themselves. And they're like, oh my God, I just, oh, I'm so nervous about this. Yes. And it's just so funny because it's like, okay, wait, you're nervous about having this meeting where we're trying to get you in a good place financially, but you were not nervous about completely just Having nothing. Yeah, having no path, no guidance, and just spending all your money all the time and kind of like making a mess of things. You weren't nervous about that, but you're nervous about this. And it doesn't make sense, but it's just because you've never done it before. Yeah, and it's like the whole idea of buying high and selling low. Mm-hmm. The nervous system reaction is the reason why people buy high and sell low. It just, it, and it happens all the time. Yeah. Doesn't matter how much people can intellectually realize that, oh, yeah, it's, of course it's good to buy low. Right. And you want to sell high. You're supposed to buy low and sell high, but <laughs> yeah, of course it, but yeah, when you're in that moment and like you're losing money, 
you're going to sell low. Mm -hmm. And then what's going to happen when things start going up and all of your friends are making money and they're like, oh, do you realize how much money I made in the stock market last month? And then you go in high and then it drops again. You get in this vicious cycle of losing money and losing money and losing money. I've seen that happen a million times over. Mm. The best guy to listen to, I think, and he says the same thing over and over again. If you ever listen to Warren Buffett, uh-huh. Yeah. And all his interviews, he says the same thing. They ask him the same questions. Yeah. He literally has the same response. And it's always true. And he never changes his answer. He just buys a stock. Yeah. But Warren, what if it gets cut in half? He's like, I don't care. He's like, I'm holding it for the next 10 to 20 years. Yeah. So I don't care what it's doing from month to month or day to day. It has nothing to do with anything. Right. I'm buying a good company that I think is undervalued because mm-hmm. I know that in 10 to 20 years, it's going to be five times more than it is right now. Right. And he just keeps saying that. And people keep questioning him. Oh, but what about this? And what about technology? And what about this company and that company? Like, I don't look at that. I don't pay attention to the markets on a day-to-day basis. Mm-mm. They keep trying to ask him like current events. And, but what about the current events? And what about the current government and the political system? He's like, keep that away from me. I don't want to hear any of that. Just invest and leave it alone. Right. Because he knows that in the long run, all that stuff shakes out. Yes. And he's, you know, getting up there in age. He's 90 or... He's up there. He's up there. He's been investing since like the 50s, I think. So he has seen every cycle play out in front of his eyes. Yep. You know, housing crashes and market crashes. And I mean, he's seen everything and he's what he says to do has been proven 40 times over. Mm-hmm. The whole foundation of people making money in the stock market is having a calm nervous system, right? Because <laughs> once that gets jacked up, you start making bad decisions based on your emotions. Right. And that's the reason why a guy like Warren Buffett makes money. He, he's not watching the market on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And he's not emotional about it. He does his research. He reads the paper on these different companies. Yeah. Isn't that his deal? He like goes to McDonald's every morning, orders the same sandwich. It's like a dollar fifty. And he like reads the paper. He reads company reports, like 10Ks and like all these like company earnings and yeah. He meets with management. He does those kinds of things. Yeah. He picks what he wants to invest in and that's it. Yeah. Like he made his choice. And that's another great example of like managing your nervous system is once you make your choice, don't question it. Yeah. You did it. It's done. Don't sit there and go, oh, did I make the right choice? Did I pick the right thing? Oh, oh, oh. And let yourself be nervous about that. It's done. Well, I think just the way the exposure thing can help you, like we were talking about how much if you expose yourself to like a a stressful event. So for instance, if you're a mountain climber, if anybody saw that Mm. movie Free Solo with Alex Honnold, Mm. climbs El Capitan in Yosemite with no ropes. You would watch a movie like that. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of the audience has seen it. It's amazing. Okay, it's, good. I mean, talk about palm sweating, watching it, your palms will sweat. He explains that because they always ask him about, aren't you terrified that you're going to die? Because basically you have no ropes, one false move, you fall off this rock and you're dead. <sighs> and he's like, the way I interpret this and the way I try to wrap my head around is that I'm going to practice the same move over and over again until it's completely comfortable to me. Mm. So it's this exposure theory. Like at first when I do certain climbs, I do them with ropes. They are scary, Mm. but I do them so many times over that it's almost like it becomes like a walk in the park. Like I'm that that comfortable with it. So I think exposure works well in that way. The opposite way it can work is where you're looking at the markets every day 
you're exposed to like all this negative, whether it's social media, but like current events and what's going on currently and everybody's different predictions. Mm -hmm. You have all this noise going in your ears. Lots of noise, yeah. And then you start jacks up your nervous system. You make a bad decision. Yeah. Even the way that data is sometimes presented, like if you're watching the news or you're on like Market Watch or something like that, and the way that some of those websites or the TV channel is presented to you, mm -hmm. there's the ticker going across the bottom. I mean, there's all of these different things moving in every direction and mm -hmm. all these different colors, like very quickly yeah. all over the place. It's just it, like the vision of it is overwhelming. Breaking news in red, right? Yes. <laughs> Breaking news. Oh, yeah, God. with the scrolling text across the bottom going a little fast. Yeah. I mean, it's presented to you in a way that immediately makes your system jack up a little bit, just seeing it, just seeing that visual. Yeah. And there have been different websites where I'll go because somebody said to or whatever, and I'm looking at something, and there's pop-ups and – Something going across the bottom and some video playing where I don't even know where it's coming from. You're <laughs> right. just like all this shit that's yeah, going boy, on the yeah. screen. And I just exit. I just can't. It's too much. It's like overload. Nope. Done. Yeah. We have to be aware of how some of that's presented to us and decide what you're going to let in. Decide what you're going to watch. And that could be a great way to manage yeah. some of your nervous system reactions. I will hold on to that stress accidentally. I'll have like the shoulder tension and. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh my God. Preaching to the choir here. I know. It's like, <laughs> like I said, the, at the intro of this podcast, like my entire day is like nervous system management. Right. It's like I progressively without doing anything will slowly become tenser and tenser and tighter and clenched. And I have to keep reminding myself to breathe and go for a walk and go do this and go have something to eat and. Go talk to someone in person and yes. do all the things that make you healthy because it's so easy to just get into that clench kind of state where everything's mm -hmm. just under tension and everything has become serious and important and this. And it seems like all the people that are genuinely happy have like the least amount of inputs coming into their brain. Yes. How many people do you know that are genuinely happy that are just continually looking at Facebook, Instagram, on Twitter, having arguments on there, watching the news, right. watching TV? Like it just doesn't happen. Right. It's almost impossible to be yeah. happy in that environment. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much input. There's no way that you could process all of that in a healthy way. Especially, like you said, you know, getting into Twitter arguments. I mean, that's just yeah absurd. There's no resolution to those arguments. Right. There's no point to it. And and what are you going to do? Stomp around the rest of the day because you yeah. had an argument with someone on Twitter? Like, doesn't benefit anybody. Yeah, I think we're torn. We're torn between two worlds. It's in one sense, it's content, calm. There's no inputs. There's very like limited. Yeah. We like that world, but in one context, we think it's boring. Right. It's not stimulating enough, right? So then we want the inputs, but then like you can go too far in the input direction. And now like, yeah, you're stimulated and you can press a button at any time because at any second mm -hmm. when you're bored, just pick up your device and right. now you're not bored anymore. And there's so much to being bored. Remember when you were a kid and like you were just, I mean, I remember going on long car trips, with my parents yes, and just looking out the window. That's it. Yeah. I had no computer. 
maybe they play the radio intermittently, yeah. but like otherwise I'm looking out the window. Yeah. And I'm sure I was bored, but but bored's good. I also had space to think and like imagine and Yeah, and that's where you get the space to think when you're bored. When do you have space to think when you have constant stimulus? Mm-mm. There's no real space. Right. Interesting. No, I agree. <laughs> I mean, we canceled our cable. Yeah a while back and it took me like three years to talk my husband into it because of sports and stuff he was like well how am I going to get my games and yeah there's definitely a period where we were really into football and then he started watching the EPL stuff you know for soccer Mm -hmm. well we figured out other ways and you know we canceled our cable and now we have um, Disney Plus and a couple other things gives you ESPN on that yeah right yeah (laughs) but now it's like we don't watch the news. We don't have access or we would have to go out of our way to find how to access like the actual news. Mm-hmm. You know, when we know that there's a debate on, we have to go searching for how do we watch the right. debate? You know, it's like a little bit more effort, yes. which is fine. It's occasional too. It's not like every once in yes. a while. Yeah. And we recently discovered PBS News. Okay. Which, you know, I knew of like the PBS channel for kids, but I didn't know that they had a bunch of other stuff. And it's the most calm news I've ever watched in my life. Uh. It's just so nice. It's there's not a bunch of stuff flashing on the screen. They're not trying to get you hyped up about anything. It's just it's information and it's very calm. I don't know how else to describe it, but we'll watch that now that we've discovered it sometimes Mm. just on a specific issue. You know, there's been a lot of things going on lately Yeah, in the world. So we want to be informed, but I don't want to be having this nervous system reaction at night when I'm trying to wind down. I just want to watch the news to find out what happened. Yeah. I don't need to be amped up. I just need the information. Yeah, you need to subtract, not add, right? I mean, we talked about right. a little bit in the last episode that there's just there's way too many inputs. You have to sort of just mm-hmm. take away. It's just there's too much going on. There's nothing that you need to add to what you're doing. Right. You just need to get rid of a lot of this negative input stuff that's constantly right. in your ear. Oh, so yeah, it's like the unlearning, unlearning of like all this stuff that we just take for granted, like. Yeah, everybody has a phone. Everybody's got a computer. Everybody's got this. Everybody does this. Well, you don't have to. And is it good for you? And not everybody. Yeah, not everybody. Maybe everybody you know. Yeah, even the kids will say, well, all my friends are playing this video game. I'm like, all your friends are not. I'm sure somebody (laughs) is not. I love it. That's such a mom line, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, would you jump off a bridge if your friend jumped off a bridge? (laughs) Right. Right? Right. Exactly. Totally guilty of that. All the things I swore I wouldn't say as a mom. (laughs) Damn it. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening today. While you're here, go ahead and take a screenshot as you're listening and share it with your friends on social media. Tag us at FA underscore confessions on Instagram and at FA confessions one on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We drop a new episode here every Monday morning. Yeah. So we'll see you again next week. See you next week.